Latinas with Masters is a safe space where you can share your story, your narrative, and your truth. On this groundbreaking episode, I will talk about my recent experience with working in a toxic culture environment and how we as Latinas and women of color need to speak up more about these toxic workplace experiences to uplift others who may be in a similar journey. This is only the beginning for a new series I like to call Let's Talk About It, where I will unpack and share the unfiltered truths about what some may be afraid to talk about and what stories that don't get talked about enough. No topic is off limits, so stay tuned. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Christina from Latinas with Masters, and you are listening to a special episode inspired by recent events in my life. And I'm calling this episode or the series, let's talk about dot, 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 enter bullshit drama here. In this episode, we will be talking about toxic workplace culture and how white supremacy culture is embedded in organizational values. I first want to thank everybody who has reached out to me personally on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, phone calls, emails, etc., to provide me with words of encouragement and support of my recent news. In a few minutes, you'll understand why they reached out to me, which is why I wanted to share my truth here on this podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to, I'm not going to beat around the bush to tell you that I was recently terminated. Although my previous employer would like to control the narrative that I was quote unquote resigning, let me tell you my truth. So what had happened was, as you may or may not know, I was recently promoted to a higher position in housing overseeing apartment buildings in the Bay Area and with said position comes with bigger responsibilities. I was getting paid a six-figure income to manage a team and properties worth millions. However, not even a month into my position, I started to experience a toxic workplace culture that made me feel uneasy to the point where I didn't want to open my Outlook email or make the commute to be at the corporate office and opted to work from home instead. There were times where I didn't want to get out of bed and other times where I had insomnia, which is why some of you probably received a late night message from me or seen late night, late night posts in my stories. You're probably thinking, damn, was it that bad? And the answer is yes. But my answer is also does it need to get this bad in order for us to speak to our supervisors about workplace conditions? No. The moment I started experiencing toxic workplace behaviors, I spoke up hoping it would change before it got worse. To give you a bit of context, I actually used to work for this company about 10 years ago when I was admitted to my master's program. I left the company for another opportunity that was closer to my home. My daughter was about two years old, so I wanted to be closer to home and not have a long commute. I left on good terms, gave my two weeks notice, and would occasionally run into the management team at industry conferences and events throughout the years. When I had an opportunity to come back, I was actually excited because I, was, I would be working with an organization that I was familiar with and people who were, people who were in positions of power who I respected. So imagine my disappointment when I started to experience workplace or toxic workplace culture. At first, I thought 
maybe they're not aware of how employees feel. I asked a few of my coworkers who have been in the same position for quite some time, and the response I got was alarming. I started to express some of the conditions, and they would say, oh, that's normal, or you'll get used to it. And I was like, hell nah. Why are we normalizing this type of behavior? Some of the examples of the behavior I was uh, referring to is the way in which the corporate office employees speak to other corporate office employees. I'm the first one to tell you that to me, it doesn't matter if you're the janitor or the housekeeper or the CEO or the VP of a company, you're going to get the same level of respect from me. You're going to get a hello and a thank you regardless of the position or title you have. To me, this is called basic human decency, right? I started to notice the emails I was receiving from the corporate office were rude as fuck. I started to feel like a punching bag and often heard what I was not doing versus all of the good that I have done in this position thus far. The vibe I was getting in the emails were more like demanding to me. Uh, they were more like demanding to me to do something versus kindly asking me when I get a moment if I could please take care of this as this is an urgent matter. I'm an adult. Uh, I know how to distinguish what is an emergency and what can wait a few hours or a couple of days, depending if it needs more research or input from other people involved. But no, everything needed to be right now. And all of a sudden, everything was urgent and it was driving me nuts. I then started to remember two books I read that called out all of these behaviors. The first book is called Right Within by Minda Hartz. And the other book is called The Diversity Gap by Bethany B. Wilkinson. I'm going to reference these two books within this episode to help me navigate this topic of toxic workplace culture and racial workplace trauma. In The Diversity Gap, Bethany B. Wilkin Wilkinson speaks about white supremacy culture and how it reinforced and how it's reinforced in organizations by a set of values, stories, symbols, norms, and practices. Some of the white cultural norms I was experiencing in this organization were perfectionism, sense of urgency, and defensiveness. Does any of these sound familiar to you? All right, so check this out. With uh perfectionism. God forbid I make a mistake. Every report I would submit, there would be something they would find wrong and it would be something different every single time. It's not like I, was, I wasn't taking notes or implementing how they wanted the report. It was things that I quote unquote should have known or quote unquote, why didn't I see this coming type of BS. I felt like they were insulting my intelligence and for the simple fact that I have a master's in business administration, I'm pretty sure I know how to complete financial reports. Trust me when I tell you that I didn't take corporate finance or managerial accounting for fun. I definitely put that education to use in this position. I understand that there was going to be a little bit of a learning curve being that my previous role was marketing for the past six years. But it's not like I forgot how to do these reports because they never advanced in the technology of these reports. They are exactly the same for when I was working here 10 years ago in an Excel spreadsheet. So it's not rocket science. It was never good enough for them. And it was making me feel uncomfortable every time I would submit a report because nine out of 10, it would come back with a negative comment. 
The second one I want to share with you is sense of urgency. Everything was urgent. I always had to drop what I was doing to do one thing that they were asking me to do like right now. Then they would turn around and say, where are you with this report? Um, if you gave me the time to finish the report the first time around, I wouldn't be playing catch up on this report now, right? This was ongoing and it got worse and worse. Although they didn't have, although they did have deadlines when things were due, there was something that was always urgent that you had to drop everything. It was so annoying. And I always felt like I was playing catch up with my work. Lastly, they were defensive. Anytime I would bring up an idea on how to streamline a process to save time, or if I questioned policies in place that were causing more harm than being helpful. They were seeing me as a threat to the status quo. So therefore, my ideas were rejected because they knew best. Or when I did provide feedback on how we can approach a situation with more empathy and compassion towards our employees, I was told that this is the way that they've been doing things and this is how they're going to run it. This leadership behavior is called objectivity and pattern patternalism. Patternalism. I need to say that again. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm very compassionate when it comes to housing and security. So one specific example that I want to share with you that stands out is when I was told that one of my employees, and I use my employee because I oversaw this particular employee. I don't want to sound like I'm being um, possessive in any way. Um, but specifically, it was about one of my employees um, that had a rent balance. The email was cold and all they wanted to know is when this employee was going to pay their balance. So upon doing the research on the account, the employee actually had a zero balance. But just to make sure, I had a conversation with the employee to understand how the rent balance is covered. I then responded to the email and explained the situation with specific details. So in the future, they're, they are aware of how rent is being played for this particular employee. I also made a recommendation to verify the employee has a true balance before an employee is put on a delinquency list. As, as I, I had mentioned, it's a very sensitive matter to speak to an employee about their finances, especially when it's related to their home. So can you guess what happened? My supervisor emailed me that they wanted to talk to me because the email that I just sent was harsh. Then. My supervisor emails the person directly who sent me the email in the first place, right? Putting my employee in this delinquency report and apologize to them. So I'm like, wait, what the hell just happened here? Why is my supervisor apologizing to this corporate employee when I was the one who received the rude ass email about my employee having a REM balance, which I actually called out was incorrect. And then wanted me to reprimand my employee for not paying on time when there was actually a delay in the accounting process. Make it make sense, people. So in this book, The Diversity Gap, the author references 13 of these white cultural norms. And I highly recommend getting a, a copy of this book for your peace of mind that you are not tripping because employers are quick to gaslight you on what you are experiencing at work, especially as a person of color. Okay, so I'm going back to my story. I talked to my supervisor about these examples and how these toxic behaviors were making me feel. At first, the emails calmed down a little bit, but then it would go full force again in, in a few days, almost like they forgot everything I had just told them. 
I felt like my voice was not being heard by my supervisor. So I decided to speak to the senior vice president who I would also report to on certain projects and hoping, there goes that word hope again, they would hear my experiences and create awareness within the organization to encourage cultural change. Now, this is the part of the story where I would like to introduce you to the term psychological safety. I'm sure you've seen it in my recent IG reels and IG posts, so I want to bring awareness to this term. Psychological safety is defined as one where people are not full of fear and not trying to cover their tracks to avoid being embarrassed or punished. So basically, you shouldn't have to fear retaliation or that you're going to be terminated or that you're going to be uh, reprimanded for you speaking up, right, at the end of the day. So when there is lack of psychological safety, that means that you don't feel safe in that space to speak up. But when there is psychological safety, that means that your voices are being heard, you know, um, you're able to talk to HR, you're able to talk to your supervisors and, and so forth, right? So this term was coined by Amy Edmondson, professor of leadership and management at Harvard Business School. Now, as an MBA graduate, this term was never discussed in my courses. It's actually disappointing because all of these microaggressions I experienced in the corporate world in the corporate world were never a topic of discussion as a woman of color in business for me. It has everything to do with how I show up in the workplace, and I could have healed a lot of workplace trauma, people, if I knew the things that I know now. Enter future podcast episode here. You guessed it. I will be talking a lot more about this because I, if I could share more experiences in the workplace to help you name the bullshit you are experiencing in real time, then I'm doing my job, right? So, okay. How did the conversation go with the senior vice president, you say? I thought it was a safe space to have this conversation, bringing awareness to my experiences as a woman of color in this management role and addressing the micromanaging, lack of trust from corporate staff and microaggressions in the emails. We talked about a lot of things, actually, and they didn't agree nor deny the behaviors I was name calling. They listened and they provided a few words of validation about the position being demanding. And sometimes that results in people acting a certain type of way to get the end results. I express how those ta tactics should not be used on employees and that we need to have a company culture where we feel respected and supported. For a moment, I thought maybe they would take my experience as an example of how they could do better as an organization as I understand no organization is perfect. A few days later, I get an email at the end of the day that they are, quote, accepting my resignation, end of quote, based on the conversation I had with them that day. Not a phone call, no meeting to discuss next steps or follow up with the concerns I was raising and bringing to their attention, nothing. No communication from my supervisor prior to this email. I had to read an email or this specific email in front of my kids that I was no longer employed effective that same day. If that is not confirmation that I knew exactly what I was feeling was correct, I don't know what is, people. I was able to call out this shit in real time, how this organization values white supremacy culture. And if you do not obey by these white cultural norms, then you are the problem. 
I'm sure they didn't like the fact that this Latina with a master's becoming a future doctora is telling them how to run their organization when everyone else has been compliant to such toxic behaviors. Then all of a sudden, this Latina gets promoted to this position, right? And is complaining about the work ethics and behaviors that are causing her stress, depression, and trauma in the workplace. I guess I was just supposed to accept the way in which I was being treated without opening my mouth, demanding respect, and conform to the cultural norms with this organization. Let me tell you that I am the wrong one for that type of nonsense. Honestly, they did me a favor. I guess because I had already, since I had already experienced a workplace trauma last year, in which I will discuss in another episode called Tell Me About, or Let's Talk About, dot, 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 how I showed up as my authentic self brings low morale to your employees. I use some of those tools in my toolbox from that specific experience to process how I was feeling at the moment and have learned how to heal and move on to not allow them to find me. I know it's easier said than done, but I refuse to allow them to control this narrative as I know my truth and I know what I was experiencing and I was able to call out this shit in real time. Now, before I end this episode, I want to read a few experts from the book Right Within by Minda Hartz that spoke volume that spoke volumes to me as I navigate the workplace as a Latina and a woman of color. One of one of the um quotes, right? Because I guess I'm quoting her at this point. She says, Many of us carry workplace baggage from job to job and position to position, which ultimately prevents us from adequating security or from adequ adequately securing our, our seat at the table. And some of us are currently in toxic environments that seem to prevent us from being able to heal because we are triggered daily by the pain and the hole that caused it. She goes on to say, for some of us, we can leave a toxic workplace and move to a, to a new job to find space to heal. But for the rest of us, we must figure out what healing looks from where we currently sit. The normalization of racialized, racialized trauma teach many of us to just make it work. And when you make it work, sometimes you overlook the pain. That one's deep for me. Another one is we can no longer support systemic ideologies that don't center dignity and humanity, uh, humanity for women of color in the workplace. If race didn't play a role in our advancement, there would be more women of color meaningfully featured in companies and organizations and not just their stock photos. Enter company and organization here. I'm pretty sure you can call those out. She goes on to say, for me, healing is still taking place. There were times in my career when I thought I had finished healing and then I find myself triggered by a new racialized experience and it would set me right back where I started, traumatized. These systems were never created to support me or you. And these, these systems have not been strategically created to make us believe that we are crazy and that have either made up racism or don't have thick enough skin. And when the dominant narrative has been crammed down our throats for hundreds of years as a community, we start to believe that we might be crazy and that we might be the problem. I love how she says, let's start a new data set one that includes our healing rate. Woo, that one to me right there is like, that's 2023, right? 
in the making, honestly, because the last two years have been super traumatic. But 2023 is like intentional healing rate. But at this moment, Minda perfectly writes how I feel about this whole situation. I am paranoid as hell that there might be another situation like this one, which is why I am speaking up about my experiences in the workplace. So you can also identify if you're having similar or shared experiences with what I have shared. The question that becomes, where do I go from here? One thing I know for certain is that I refuse to allow anyone to control my truth and my narratives. I refuse to let anyone or anything come into the way that affects the way in which I show up for my kids. I need to stay grounded, but also learn how to heal my mind, body, and soul. To not let anyone or any situation define me. Seriously, I'm done with any and all bullshit that is not serving me, my kids, or my community. I know this episode was intense. It may have triggered past traumatic experiences in the workplace. Please take care of yourself and reach out to someone to help you grieve and heal these experiences. It can be in form of a therapy, calling a friend, reading a self-help book, listening to music, etc. The information I provided in this episode does not replace therapy uh, advice from a professional. Please reach out to a licensed therapist if you really need to speak to someone about healing trauma. I will leave you with this. Latinas with Masters is a safe place where you can share your story, your narrative, and your truth. If you would like to share your to our community anonymously without identifying who you are and where you work, something you have experienced or currently experiencing in the workplace, please reach out to me by email at latinaswithmasters at gmail.com or latinaswithmasters at gmail.com. In the subject line, please put workplace trauma or sharing my workplace trauma and I will find a creative outlet to share your truth bring awareness to the real lived experiences of Latinas and women of color in the workplace. We will not and should not stay quiet because there is someone out there who is experiencing some bullshit at work who needs to hear your story and feel like they are not alone. Amigas, I'm going to, I'm going to end this here because we have so much to unpack in the upcoming episodes of let's talk about dot, dot, dot. They will be a little bit shorter, but each episode will have references and resources for you, for you. So please take the information I provide as it resonates with you. I hope you found, I hope you found this episode informative. In the next episode of Let's Talk About dot dot dot, red flags in an interview. Feel free to share red flags you experienced during an interview for a chance to have them read on the podcast. Being that I am in the job market, I've had my share of red flags and I will be sharing those with you. Thank you everyone for your continued love and support. Be safe, be well, and talk to you later. Peace out.